Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Welcome to Driven Radio, your weekly place of worship to the automotive gods. Uh, I'm your host, Brett Hatfield, here with our intrepid, not insipid, intrepid engineer, (laughs) Catfish Groves. And uh, Corey Pratt couldn't make it. He said he was feeling just a little under the weather. I said, you can stay your ass home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, even if it is just, you know, allergies. It's it's seasonal allergies. I got them, too. Corey, I'm sorry, pal. Sorry, buddy. We hope you're feeling better. You you can stay home with that COVID (laughs) zombie virus thing you got. But we do have, since we don't have our usual third host, we we dug back into the closet and got one of our former co-hosts. Mr. Vernon Estes, back in the hot seat. Here I am. Wow. Wow. So we managed to get three guys around the uh, table this week. A little surprising given the state of everything out there. Uh, Again, Corey, sorry you don't feel well, pal. Please get well soon. Uh, We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in scenic, lovely Overland Park, Kansas. If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. If there's something you want to hear more of, please tell us. Uh, This week we've got news about... uh, about the whole damn world falling apart. <laughs> it's, yeah. <laughs> Dang, man. Everything is shut down. They've closed the shutters. They've uh, rolled up the streets, turned off the lights. It's gone. But I will tell you something. At Quick Trip, there's a lot of leftover donuts that are, you know, at the 68 cent price. <laughs> oh, I line. bet. Uh, our special guest this week is Vern. <laughs> yeah, Here not I am. only is he a guest host, he's a special guest because there's some uh, wild things going on. Well, now we have to pay him twice as much beer. He's doing double duty. Yeah, <laughs> that'll work. So, Time before we get into this week's news, I would like to thank Greg Ingold of Haggerty Drivers Club for the shout out during this morning's Haggerty Drivers Club Best Buys under twenty five thousand. Uh, yeah, I, you know they do these, and it's a live stream online. And they've got a, 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 a comment section where you can ask questions or make comments about whatever they're saying. And I was on there and they were asking about cars under 25 grand. What do you think? Uh-huh. Uh, they were talking about what they thought was a good deal. And I said, as they've been for years and years, and they seem to be poised to go the other direction, fourth generation Corvette ZR1s are just a ton of car for the money. Yeah, uh, magnetic ride control, three hundred and seventy-five or four hundred five horsepower, depending upon which year you got. Uh, six-speed manual transmission and just a host of stuff on there you can't even believe. And the engines on those are really, really durable, um, and they're proven. And they're still you can find them pretty regularly under twenty grand with low miles. So yeah, twenty-five buys you a, like a super low mileage, perfect car. Yeah, you know? it really does. Anyway, I popped on with that, and as soon as Greg saw the comment, he said, "Brett Hatfield's here. He's the host of Driven Radio. Greg's a listener. He likes what we do. He says we've got uh-huh. a good thing going on, and that was really, really thoughtful of him. Greg, hey, I appreciate the shout you, out. Thank you very hey. much. Uh, we're uh, we're glad to have you as a listener. We dig Haggerty." Uh, yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, your magazine sitting on the corner of the table over As there. As a matter of fact, you do. <laughs> with, with the, with the, the bull list facing upward. Um, so, in car world news, 
Uh, <laughs> what, what, what about, car world? How about just then? world news? Yeah. Uh, every damn every damn thing under the sun has been canceled, boxed up, hidden away in the attic until the zombie horde recedes. <laughs> Uh, Car shows, museums, auctions, cruises, manufacturers, dealerships, restaurants, bars, casinos, booby bars, everything is closed. Uh, Formula One, Formula E, IndyCar, MotoGP uh, are all postponing races. Now, the cool thing about that right there, postponing. 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 Um, You know, from what I'm seeing on everybody's calendar and what everybody's talking about, it looks like August and September are going to be chock Oh. Well, even on stuff. the way here, I heard that the, uh, um, oh, God, what's it called? The horse race, the big one. Kentucky uh, Derby. Derby. Kentucky yeah, yeah. Derby was uh, moved to September. Oh, yeah. Nobody's so August, wild. September is going to be wild. Well, as much as everyone's locked in their houses right now, everybody's going to lock their houses and leave for the month of September and October. You're not going to be able to come home because there's going to be too much crap going on. Can you well, imagine what the scramble for dates is going to be? Oh, I'm, I'm guessing, it's, moving I'm guessing everybody is already trying to. There's hotels gonna be are going to be things a weekend. I bet hotels are going to be out of their minds and restaurants and lodging. And I just I think from what I'm seeing everywhere, it looks like August, September, and October are going to be insane. Let's help. Which will be just fine after we've been robbed of the rest of our spring and summer. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, The New York Auto Show, Geneva Auto Show, 24 Hours of Le Mans is being pushed back. Isle of Man TT canceled altogether. Uh, Kentucky Derby, NFL Draft, the Masters, the London Marathon, Boston Marathon, NCAA Tournament, Major League Baseball, National League Hockey, National Basketball Association, and a thousand other events and, and gatherings, parades, everything canceled or postponed i am looking forward to january when we have like the nhl hockey cup championship and the uh that's usually in june and (laughs) football and Uh, i'm like bring that on man i'm gonna just sit for a full weekend with nothing but beer chips and championships oh yeah uh we're gonna have espn's gonna go nuts uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, well, God, yeah, can you imagine after this lo- much yeah, right time? Now just, they're just replaying old basketball games. Like there's no sports being played at yeah, all. Yeah, and what do they talk time. about? Uh, yeah, Tom well, Brady. And- Tom Brady decided not to go back to the Patriots just to give them something to talk about. <laughs> I need something. Well, because Tom Brady decided not to go back because he found out that that Patrick Mahomes is still improving as a player. (laughs) I tell you what. Didn't need to get his teeth kicked in. The the very moment that I started thinking coronavirus was a big deal was the moment that the Masters got delayed. Just as a golf fan, I'm just like, no, that can't happen. The Masters is in April. Yeah. There's no compromise on that. That's when the Masters happens. My dad told me that, and I was like, you're kidding. Well, that's not the word I said, but... I uh, couldn't believe that it, it rhymes yeah. with kidding. Uh, I couldn't believe that they did that one. But here's here's what you can still do. Oh, you can still go out to your garage. You can still go wrench on your project. You can still go detail your car. You can still get in that bad boy and go for a drive. You can still peruse Facebook and Craigslist and look for that giant weird ass project or yes you can strange mm-hmm. giant monster wagon <laughs> yes you or can. any of that stuff this is a perfect opportunity especially if you are home from work or working from home it's a great opportunity to spend a little time working on your favorite car throwing some miles on the odometer yeah. or hunting down that next piece of weird hardware and to that end <laughs> did you see this thing no, did no, you see me, this thing? Let me go look it up. Let me go you look gotta it up. look this thing up. 
it's uh, on a Kansas City's Craigslist. No, 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 no. It's Denver Craigslist. Okay. Or they the Drive had an article on this sucker. And also, I think uh, it was either Motor Trend, Car and Driver, Road and Track. I forget which. But I know I found it on the drive. Yeah. Just look up X Secret Service POTUS, P-O-T-U-S, Communications Van. Hang on. Um, what did I click wrong? Did I do some? I, I see a brand new toilet seat, white plastic. It's only twenty four ninety nine for five bucks in Wheat Ridge. Wow. Where the hell am I? <laughs> did you see that ad? Did you see that ad on Craigslist said they were trading a new C eight twenty twenty Corvette for a forty eight roll of uh, Charmin? <laughs> there it is, Quigley four by four, that low giant miles. black van. Oh, it's black even. Oh look, my! Look at the list of stuff that comes on that. Look at all the gee, many Christmas. I'm just looking at pictures with all the uh, 30 amp. Wow. <laughs> now. Oh, my God. Look at this. This is ridiculous. This is like, you know, armored pedo van. <laughs> <laughs> this is like I'm full metal creepy. Yeah. <laughs> you took the words right out oh of my, my mouth. Oh, my God. That's awesome. And it was codenamed Roadrunner. I'll bet. Originally created by Wolf Coach of Auburn, Massachusetts, at a cost of well over $100,000 to serve the U.S. Secret Service communications rig. It is now decommissioned, kind of. And although the seller claims everything still works, the seller apparently is the first non-government owner since uh, Roadrunner's Clinton administration presidential service. It is rust-free. It has only, only, just only, only, 20,181 miles on it because it was transported from location to location in planes, trains, or semis. It didn't get driven there. It just got driven while it was there. Can you, did you see the picture on there he's got of the thing being transported? Yeah. Is that amazing? Satellite hookup is still available oh, yeah. in it. 460 cube for uh, you across the pond. Seven and a half liter gas engine with automatic transmission. Four-wheel drive, swivel captain's chairs, carpeted interior panels, air conditioning, and a ventilated compartment that could support an onboard toilet, which was which used to house a secondary AC unit because you know you wouldn't oh want to be fart God. didn't want to be farting up the van. Uh, power locks, power windows, practically new tires, and a generator under the hood. A bank of four power batteries in an outside storage compartment behind the driver's door. Oh, my God. Look at all of the power access. That's insane. A 7,000-kilowatt generator, industrial-grade power outlets inside and out, multiple inverters. That generator is in the back contained in its own little housing. (laughs) You know, 7,000 kilowatt, you can wire that to your house and run most everything, including the fridge and, (laughs) you know, all the important stuff. Uh, the panels on, that line the interior can e- be easily removed for access to the wiring. Got heavy-duty anti-suede chassis. Uh, unique diamond plate running boards for the Secret Service to ride on. Lights and sirens and satellite <laughs> hookup are all still in place. Listed for only $31,000 cash. No trades. Oh, my sweet <laughs> Jesus. Can you believe that? wonderful. I... I have no good reason to own it. You don't know how many subwoofers I want to drop in the back of that bad boy. And you can power every stinking one of them. Oh, yeah. There's this whole bank of switches. It's like you can put three stereos in there. And then the, if you can make all the lights kind of blink with the music. Well, the, the upside to, to putting... POTUS all, to badass. Put, yeah. <laughs> the upside to putting all of the subs in that thing is... Everybody would think it was an optical illusion because it never quit vibrating. It would always look kind of fuzzy driving down the street. Uh, somebody's got to buy that, and then you've got to show us pictures. Just nothing but... 
Can you imagine how much it weighs? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's a crap load. I was about it's to say a, how much it could tow, but like with all that equipment on it, I'm sure it's actually. Dude, I look at Chrysler way. Imperials from the mid '60s. This doesn't scare me. Yeah, it's, yeah that's true. It's yeah. a one-ton four-wheel drive Quigley conversion. I've wanted a Quigley conversion for a long time, mm-hmm. man. Just looks, <laughs> thing just looks like. An absolute yeah. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, go ahead. It's forty What's, bucks yeah. <laughs> on Main Street. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thirty-one grand, baby. Uh, all right. guy, guy says no trades. Uh, he wants thirty-one grand for hit for you to be able to play. I'm my own Secret Service team. What I want to know is how much does that cost new? How much did the government? Pay it was for way that? over a hundred grand. Yeah, it's like when so you love to have that contract from the government. Oh man, yeah, order, I, I can't order imagine hundred of those well, bands. And, and the company that made it uh, out of let's see, it was Wolf Coach of Auburn, Massachusetts. Uh, Wolf has changed hands and changed names now, but they still make communications vehicles for the government. Mm-hmm. And communications vehicles, yeah. <laughs> <Right>. Ninja Winnebago's. <laughs> Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, we'll have the link for that, uh, <laughs> both the Craigslist ad and the article on the drive. And the article on the drive really goes into a lot of detail, shows previous communications vehicles. These guys were just throwing crap on Winnebago's for a while. Uh, but this this van, man, this thing looks like the Urban Destroyer. It, it would, does. It is definitely the Urban Assault vehicle. It's ready for you to uh, paint it funky colors. And with our imminent zombie apocalypse, yeah, now's the time. Yeah, I'm I'm just going to shelter in place. I bought my plywood. I'm covering the windows. <laughs> Dead inside plus beer. <laughs> hey, uh we we really did stock up. We went and bought more booze. Good, good. Well, no, that's disinfectant. Uh-huh. You On know, the inside. Top shelf disinfectant. <laughs> it's it's why I it's why I never catch any real colds is cuz I sanitize everything daily. <laughs> So our, our special guest, you know, we usually take a break and call somebody, but hell, he's here. Extra special. Yeah, you took your shoes off. You got for real comfy. I got, well, yeah, it's, you got bare shoes on, and I got no shoes on. Well, so. uh, I have literal oh, wow. bare feet. You're taking this uh, <laughs> the Be- staying home. Talk about being able to social distance. <laughs> I'm in my house. <laughs> Brett's never had a problem social distancing. Yeah, no, uh, and with those nah. shoes on, you national. won't have any problem outside <laughs> no. either. You just keep those no, got good-looking no things right on your feet. at all. <laughs> Um, not only is Vern here because uh, Master Corey couldn't make it, but Vern's here because he's got really, really exciting oh, news. dude. He's yeah. getting to do uh, some cool stuff. Uh, he's getting to do cool stuff with cool people. He got to hang out with some cool people this past week. Um, for those of you who, aren't, who don't know Vern or are new to the show, he is the owner of Vernon Estes Classics, the world's lowest volume car dealership. <laughs> and in soon world. to be even lower yeah. volume considering yeah. the virus. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm aiming for four, maybe four and a half cars this year. This year. This nice. Year. How do you sell a half a car? Oh, in the used car business, you can sell half a car. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've bought a half a car sometimes. Looked like a real car. Wasn't. Uh, Vern sells high-end collector cars with a focus on Shelby American products uh, from 1962 to 1967. He specializes in 65 to 67 Shelby Mustangs, and he's a Concord judge for Shelby American, and uh, he's also... uh, Devilishly handsome? Thank you. um, That was the first thing on my list, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I'm sorry. Your (laughs) PR people didn't send that one over. 
he opened Vernon Asses Classics in 2014 with the intention of selling and buying some cars, and uh, it sounds like he does sometimes, kind of, sort of. Sometimes when I but, just uh, do it, yeah. But now, because of your reputation in the Shelby world, uh, of, of which you should be very proud, you worked hard to get this, Yeah, uh, you've got a rather ginormous announcement for us uh, you want to just dive right into it sure tell us what you're doing yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm basically uh repping the john otzbach collection to be sold at uh meek and mindy in the spring so, at, least, at least that's the plan as, as things currently sit yeah well, no kidding so tell us who is john otzbach uh john is a guy that i've known for a long time ever since he got started in the shelby's and and near the time when i got started in the shelby's he's a uh a very well-known uh, Russian uh, art dealer and collectibles dealer. Uh, John and I have always had kind of a special kinship because uh, we do the same thing, but with different materials. So I buy and sell old Shelby's and Shelby memorabilia. And he, uh, he deals in Russian artwork. And uh, in his spare time, he put together uh, over the span of many years what is probably the most significant collection of Shelby Mustangs. Certainly, really? certainly not the biggest, but probably every car in his collection is, is uh, would qualify for the term remarkable. Uh, e- even more remarkable is the collection of memorabilia, which is sincerely beyond compare. There's there's no collection of Shelby memorabilia on the face of the earth that could even be talked about in the same sentence. Okay, before we jump into that, and we're certainly going to, how did you meet John? I met John because he started getting involved in the in the Shelby world, and and like I said, we had so much in common. Um, in in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, you know, people have always perceived that since I buy and sell a significant amount of Shelby memorabilia, that I had sold John a lot of his stuff. But in reality, John already has such a significant collection at the time that I met him that it's always been extremely difficult to find anything that he didn't already have. Uh, and so most of the really top line stuff that I've found has gone to John. And that's only sort of augmented his collection. Okay. So. Oh, that's baloney. Uh, <laughs> you met in bar in Russia. <laughs> You're not kidding me. Shh, we're talking about that off air. <laughs> so, the memorabilia. Yeah. Tell us, what makes it so remarkable? The memorabilia is, what I keep telling people is that it is not only, some collections are based entirely on quality. And some people just want to have the most stuff. Uh, when it comes to John's collection of memorabilia that he assembled, it was assembled not only by him seeking out and buying the best items that exist, but he also purchased two or three of the pre-existing biggest Shelby memorabilia collections in the world in oh, one shot each. Really? Yeah. So like some of these guys who had collected stuff their entire life, he absorbed those collections. And on top of that, he added stuff individually that on its own. Uh, is pretty remarkable. I mean, the kind of things that are in John's collection, it is everything from artifacts from the earliest days of Carroll Shelby's racing career all the way till stuff that's closer to modern day. He has George Bartell did all the original artwork for all the original Cobra and Shelby brochures and advertisements. He has original George Bartell artwork, some that date from the Shelby American years used in some of the most famous advertising all the way to things made in the 1990s. Really? Yeah, Yeah, and 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 it just goes on and on forever. I mean, I was... One of my main tasks has been trying to lot all the materials, mm-hmm. separate it out, determine lots. And uh, when I, the last lot that I did that was Shelby related was over 3,600. And that includes, <laughs> Good God. that includes some lots that have 20 or 30 items in them. You know, we're not just talking, you know, lunch boxes, 
<laughs> no. no, but there are lunch boxes. There oh are, my he, god! There, he has. He has. He of has. Maybe, there are. maybe we are. You know, everybody Hot damn, has, I might find a lot. <laughs> you know, everybody has their own sphere of interest. Even when it comes to something as limited as Shelby-related specific memorabilia. Sure. But like John has every single variety of slot car and scale model from the '60s associated with that. I, at least I've ever heard of. So there's not one slot car or scale model that I know existed that he doesn't have in essentially mint in the box condition. Wow. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. All right. Let's... And that doesn't even get into the, the things that are truly important in the collection as far as memorabilia well, what's, goes. What's the, really, what's the really important stuff? What's the really significant stuff that's oh in the collection? Who uh, there are. I've been telling everybody who asked me because while, while John's collection is very... Uh, he's always made a huge effort to share it with anybody who um, who wanted to see it. A lot of people aren't, just aren't aware of the significant items that are in there. I've told everybody like that there, there are 50 to 100 items that could be the centerpiece of anybody's collection. Um, Give me a for example. For example, the starter's flag from the 1967 Lamar race. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh my lord. Uh, there were... <laughs> There were two, there are two Cobra powered by Ford red, white, and blue banners that the team would hang from the side of the race transporter. They were custom made for the team. There are only two that exist. They are different sizes. John's is the bigger one. He has the 19, he has the steering wheel from the 1968 Le Mans winning GT40 that came from the head mechanic on the car. He also has the champagne bottle that Pedro Rodriguez sprayed the, the crowd with after he won. And accompanying that is four photographs of Pedro Rodriguez doing that. He has... In 1963, Shelby American and Carol Shelby made six gold bracelets with a cobra emblem with diamonds in the eyes of the cobra emblem. And it was made for the six people that were the first kind of originators of the cobra. He has Peter Brock's. He has Peter Along Brock's. Along with his arm. Yeah, exactly. Still in yeah, the, his arm still, still in the, the bracelet. bracelet. Oh, wait a second. There's more to that. He has, <laughs> I told you he has Peter Brock's original <laughs> white team jacket, like what you see in Ford versus Ferrari. He has Peter Brock's original blue and white bowler wow. shirt. And we're not even getting into... The posters that he has that are the only ones that exist in He's the got Peter Brock's bottle of high karate. <laughs> with half of it still in there. I'm and just saying. And it's everything from one of one artifacts all the way down to like the rarest accessories. Uh, your common showroom brochures, your rarer showroom brochures, every press kit you could imagine, every sort of poster you can imagine, artwork. I'm still stuck on the flag thing. That's yeah. amazing. Yep. That's I mean, staggering. Can you imagine Goosebumps. having that in your house? As somebody who has bought and sold probably more Shelby memorabilia than anybody out there, I look at an item like that, and I almost have an out-of-body experience looking at it. Is oh, that, my Lord. I mean, think about that's at the start of the race where you get the All-American victory, A.J. Foyt and Dan Gurney driving a Mark IV GT40. Now, the ultimate, the pinnacle of American motorsports in that race. I, I'm, I'm really excited about this for you because you and I have been talking about it for a little bit, you know, since, since everything was announced. Are you sure? Uh, you and your NDA, you wouldn't tell me anything before it came out. How did you get involved with this? I was just always been friends with John. And so John knew that to bring me in, I was the only person who knew enough about the memorabilia. To handle but how, how did, how did that transpire? Oh, I got, I got a phone call from John. Okay. And, uh, he just said, I need you to come to Washington state. Vern, you come to Washington state, <laughs> but he didn't give you any more than that. You will not believe. And the I, crap I, I said, have I, to look well, at. what are, what are we doing? And he said, I can't tell you till you get here. We're watching and I you said, crap your pants. You know, when, when I heard that, <laughs> no when I heard that, I said, okay, I'll be out there. Anything that, wow. that starts like that is probably worth doing. So Okay, and then you get to Washington State. 
Yeah, and I just met with him, and he told me what was going on, and we got to work right away. So Did he okay. take you right there to the collection and, oh, yeah. and go, okay, here's the toys? Yep. And yep. that's when you started I, I had, going I all out of body? Before. I had been there before. So, I mean, it's I had always known about it. But the thing is, I buy and sell cars for a living and the memorabilia. And even knowing that, uh, I never asked John to sell stuff because I always knew it was off the table. So sure. it was completely unexpected for me that, uh, that he was going to be selling it all. We off. like this John so, guy. Well, wait a second. Let's then let me back up. John decides he's going to sell his collection. What does he do after that? Oh, Dana flew in on this, on a, on a jet and you know, that for a whole day spent on with Dana's and, jet. Yeah. And flew in another time also until the deal was done. So he's, I was very impressed with hearing about his interactions with Dana. Alrighty. So, so you start going through and trying to catalog and itemize the memorabilia and uh, you get involved in the project. You get involved with Meekum, obviously, mm-hmm. since you're representing this. Tell us about the project so far. Uh, what have you been doing? I know you've spent a ton of time on a plane. Where have you been? It starts with lotting things and then just goes into promoting it any way I can, sharing anything I can about it. Uh, I went to, got back from Las Vegas uh, yesterday, uh, or I guess Monday night, and uh, was filming a uh, promotional television show for Meekum, so with with, uh, Peter Brock, which is pretty cool. Okay, yeah, don't you gloss over that. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. With, with, uh, With Peter Brock... Uh, the individual who had uh, quite a hand in designing everything, the second generation Corvette, the Stingray, and also had a hand in, or was the sole designer of the Cobra Daytona Coupe. And uh, don't gloss over that, please. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I showed up that morning and uh, Peter was supposed to get interviewed first. So I showed up and uh, Peter wasn't there yet. And I was just walking around the building. And when Peter got there, uh, the film crew wasn't ready uh, to do his interview. So we had about an hour and a half of just one-on-one time of just walking around. Oh my gosh. Uh, the place we were at and looking Telling at cars stories and, and, yeah, and just relaxing. So, and chilling out and it was, it was really cool. What is the story that he told that you wouldn't, ex- you didn't expect that you were kind of surprised by just one? Oh, there were a lot of them. I mean, he, he told me that he, uh, won the, the Oakland Roadster show with a 46 Ford. That was his very first car. Before oh he God. even went to Art Center, he was painted white with blue stripes, just like a Shelby Mustang. And, uh, <laughs> and that was before he went to Art Center, before he gets hired by General Motors, before he starts working at Shelby American. You know, obviously before he founds and operates BRE with the with the, the Datsuns. So it, uh, he's just an amazing guy. He's he's like a national treasure. And he's he's done a little bit of everything. Oh yeah. And he's really been at the center of so much of. Uh, the car world for geez 60 years yeah and he's so humble too that's amazing nice. i I, I, neat. I love the I, I gotta go look up the oakland roaster show thing now because <laughs> i didn't have any idea about that all righty so uh you've been filming a special obviously that meekum is going to promote mm-hmm. and you've seen what is probably the ultimate collection of Shelby memorabilia anywhere on the planet. Sure. Tell us about all of the cars. Where would you like to start? I I, I want to get <laughs> speak slowly with lots of detail. I want to get to the sixty five last. Got steamy in 65 here. Sixty five last. I want to get to the sixty five last. Um, he's got obviously he's got amazing Shelbys, but uh, tell me about that Lamborghini. Tell me about the silver Lambo. No, there's a couple Lambos. I mean that one's a that's a four hundred GT two plus two and uh it is 
just incredibly original. I mean, you should, you should smell the inside of it smells like the sixties. It's amazing. <laughs> it's original leather, original paint, a little bit of touch up in the paint, but for all intents and purposes, a perfect car, all original. Wow. And then of course you've got the opposite of the spectrum in the Squadra Corsa, which is basically the baddest Gallardo you could buy. Yeah. It is one of 50 worldwide, one of 15 that came in the country, and it's the first one that came in the U.S. Do you know what kind of a car collection you have to have where you're looking at a Gallardo and it's like, yeah, whatever? Yeah, it's an afterthought. <laughs> it is. Now, on his collection, it's an afterthought. And there was so much uh, memorabilia on the walls everywhere, aside from the Shelby stuff. I mean, the Lamborghinis have their own room. So he has, for example, here's another car that, that you would here, – here's another Lamborghini that you may or may not call a car is that he has the uh, – the Geneva show car Diablo VT. No, which, I'd call that a car. Which does not have an engine or a transmission. What? It was just sat up on the stage. It has a full interior. It has suspension. It has wheels and tires, real tires. It's a full-size orange Lamborghini VT. But I think this was 88 or 89. This is that half a car it's, we were talking about earlier. It's yeah, basically, sure. okay. it's the first year where they didn't have the, the, the headlights that went up. Yeah. So. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And now when you walk into about. the Lamborghini room, it's on the wall. I want to have a Lamborghini it's on room. The wall? It's, on, it's mounted on the wall. <laughs> above the cars oh because it's not God. a real car it's got no engine or transmission so it's, it's literally mounted on the wall does it have a little flap thing that comes down and you can get bottles of booze and stuff out of it and maybe some yeah it's, it's got an opener screwed into the fender yeah, yeah you could just pop your beer on it literally, literally a full car literally a full car hanging on the wall except for the engine and, and, and but you know what it so. doesn't have your uh, neon yeah yeah that's true that's true but I know where you can get one made absolutely alrighty so <laughs> couple lamborghinis very cool stuff i want to hear about all the shelby's just spill but get to that 65 last so the collection of shelby's is pretty much a uh, a dream lineup of all the different kinds of shelby mustangs you might want to have i mean to call anything less significant than the others you know you you might start at like a 70 gt350 that is the very last gt350 made in 1970 the very last one yeah the last one. Oh wow uh a 68 kr fastback that is the first gt500 kr sold to the public okay uh and then you know since he's got the r model which will do last which is serial number two which Mm -hmm. is some might say the most significant shelby mustang ever produced uh, he has matching serial numbers for that car in 66 and 7. So he's got 67. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so the green 67 in the auction listing, that's serial number 2. And the white 66, one of the white 66s, is a uh, carryover car number 2. So in addition to uh, the 67 being serial number 2, what is so significant about it? Uh, just that it's an extremely early, early build. So it was built on the second day of production. Okay, but that's not the convertible. No, the convertible is a 66. Okay. And And, uh, the convertible is a 66. Most people don't, only like pretty pretty serious Shelby guys even really know they built a GT350 convertible in 66. They built four. mm -hmm. They were the last, they were the very last four cars made during production. Okay. So the last four serial numbers are convertibles. One was made for public sale, and the other three were quote unquote styling prototypes for a 
potential 67 and a half GT350 convertible. Okay. That was the intention. So the other three cars were retained within the company, used as company lease cars, and used as styling prototype cars, so to speak. And this is the one that was for public sale. This is the first. No, the the red one was for public sale, which is oh, now, okay. now owned by Craig Jackson. All right. And this is the green one. It's the first one by serial number. Okay. What's also unique about the green one is that, you know, a, a GT350H Hertz car has the gold rocker stripe with the H and the rocker stripe. Mm-hmm. This car has a gold rocker stripe with no H. It was that way from the factory. And nobody knows why they decided to put a gold rocker stripe. So it's green with a gold rocker stripe with no H. It is the only Shelby Mustang produced in 66 with a gold rocker stripe and no H. All convertibles, two were automatics, two were four speeds. All four of the convertibles were factory air conditioning cars, and they are the only 66 Shelbys with factory air conditioning. So, oh my God, that's and, it's it's pretty a 66 Shelby convertible is like a and the it's last like thing a mythical you, car. The last thing you told me about this car of the four cars, the four convertibles originally produced. This is the only one. This is the only one with its original engine of the four people have. I, I'm somebody who when I'm Could buying you and find more cars, of a unicorn. I, I when, I, oh when I'm buying and selling cars, I personally like really solid bodies and the engine to me is sort of secondary. But to most of the market, the vast majority whether or not it has the original drivetrain is the single most important thing on the car. That makes this car pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, so no what, kidding. What are some expectations, uh, ching wise? Uh, uh, what I can like say, high end, low end, you know, probably wouldn't say a high end, but it's well in excess of a million dollars. Nice. Yeah. Well, well in excess. So now the 67, you said there's another 66, Another 66, number two. Okay. So, And that would be, even though it's serial number two, that's the second production 66 made because the first one was the prototype. Okay. So serial number one is a is a prototype car. The <laughs> the second one is the very first Are you starting car. to get the idea on this? Dude? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think John's... Uh, <laughs> he's done a pretty good job Damn. getting some yeah. cars together. John, yeah, whoever uh, you are, dude, <laughs> toast to you. He's, yeah, uh, old he's old been John very, has done himself well. He's been very particular about what he bought, so... And think about the fact that with him buying all these things and caring about them so much, how much he has saved, how much history. Oh, sure. Like what you're all describing here, what, what you've, you're laying oh, yeah. out. My God. Yeah, there's a lot of right this there. that it would uh, – I, I don't know that you can dictate this, uh, but you'd certainly wish that it would all stay together because it, it, it is so significant. Uh, there's also – a 289 Cobra in the There collection. is a 289 Cobra. It is an independent comp car. What that means is it was delivered new as a street car, but immediately after being delivered new, actually the first owner, so immediately after being delivered new, the first owner returned it to the dealership <laughs> saying, saying, quote unquote, it was too much to handle as a stock okay. car. The next owner immediately modified it for racing and won his division in SCCA. Ran it oh, all the way through 1969 end period. So it's got heritage. It's got some pedigree. And aside from that, most Cobras that are raced hard and competitively, they are very, from a chassis perspective, they're actually not very fragile. From a body perspective, they are. And these cars are used up race cars most of the time. So yeah. most of the time, race cars don't retain their original body. Sometimes oh, a race car might not retain its original chassis or at least significant portions of it. This car retains its entire original chassis and its entire original body. And you got to spend a little bit of time behind the wheel. Well, you know, the Meekum people said they needed somebody to drive it around so they could get flyby video of it. And I, it would have been rude for me not to oblige. You know, <laughs> so. you know it's a big heart you've got there. I know. I do it for, you, you know, it's every... And you give listen, and you give. everybody's got their own cross to bear. And two days ago... Two days ago, that was mine. 
unbelievable. Wow. Now, for the cherry on top. Well, hold on. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. You, you forgot more. There's more. Brett. <laughs> what? You forgot the other 65 in the sale. There's two 65s. Okay. Tell us about the other one. Not to go unnoticed is that in, well, I actually forgot two cars. One of them is the red factory Paxton supercharged. Oh, that's right. That's right. One of 11 ever made. Only 11 and 67 Paxton supercharged. Yep. Oh, wow. From the factory. So they only made 11. They made 28 and 67. So that gives you an idea of like the difference in rarity. And I've, I've actually reviewed one of the 67s for the magazine. Yep. And so this is one of the 66 Paxton cars. Those cars, they're like convertibles. They never come up for sale ever. Um, then as far as 65s go, and one of my favorite cars on the sale is he has, speaking of Paxton Superchargers, there were only, and most people don't know this, but there were two 65 Shelbys with factory Paxtons. No kidding. Both were prototypes. So you've got serial number 10, which was a pre-production prototype car that was also used as a Paxton prototype. And then you've got this car, which is serial number uh, 425, which was sent to Paxton Got the supercharger. Now, the one distinction between those two cars is that one of them was a full-on prototype in many different ways. So when it was retailed, it likely wasn't retailed with its blower. Mm -hmm. 425 got a blower as a Paxton supercharger, but then was retailed through a dealership in Ohio and sold new with it. No kidding. So it is really the only car that was retailed new with a Paxton supercharger in 65. So imagine 65 Shelby side exhaust. Mm-hmm. And a supercharger sucking air in the front of it <laughs> all at the same time. And what's amazing about that car is that that car retains its original engine. That's fan- Wow. That's mm-hmm. amazing. Wow. That car and, and not to be. See, the problem with the car, a lot of these cars is that it's difficult to summarize just how good they are. That car has most of its original paint still. All of its original interior. Wow, no kidding. California car, its entire life, not a speck of rust anywhere. So, true survivor. Oh, it's just a, it's just a great car. That's it's an amazing. amazing car. It's got it has a pa- they didn't have the the Paxton enclosure that would have been on the 67 you had the over the carburetor. Yeah, yeah. This one has a square box with a aluminum machine top on it that says Cobra, which was one of the it was the only one ever made. And it was only made for this car cuz they didn't have the other one ready yet. Okay. So they handmade it for this car. All right. It's just an amazing car. Um and if you'll recall, uh when I was doing the 67 in Monterey, I was taking pictures of that and sending them to you because I'd never seen one. Mm-hmm. Saying, "Okay, is this legit?" Oh yeah, <laughs> Paxton so, cars are like the high water mark of, of Shelby. Yeah, there's, they are. There's not many of them out there, and for as much stuff as I see uh, doing what I do for the magazines, I'd never seen one of those. I mean, think of almost. I mean, between five and six thousand sixty-six and sevens made, and only thirty-nine of them have blowers. Unreal. So, alrighty, now, come on. Get mm-hmm. to the get to the Give crown to jewel. Well, Give the uh, the crown jewel is you know everybody's seen at this point everybody's seen Ford versus Ferrari hopefully a couple times uh, more than twice. This is uh, a 1965 GT350 competition car, otherwise known now widely as an R model. Okay, but to merely refer to the car as an R model is a bit of a disservice. Of the 36 R models produced by Shelby American, there were only two factory run race cars all right and this is this is one of those cars number one was a factory run race car as was number two this is number two so the serial number is 5r002 okay now 
the first 365 Shelbys, they get a bit confusing on serial number because number three was the very first one made. It was the first streetcar. So they made number three first, they and then made, they went back and made one and two. Well, and then they made number two. And they, then they made number one. So number two is the second car built. Okay. It is the first competition car built. Oh, because number the three was one. a streetcar, and the other two were And they needed number cars. three to shoot PR materials, basically, to promote the streetcar. So that was the first one they got built. So number two is the very first R model. It is the R model on which all of the testing was done and all the development was done for all the other R models. Really? It is. Oh, yeah. It's the car that basically solely Ken Miles drove it in development. Uh, so it is. It has so many nicknames, it's hard to, to wrap your head <laughs> around it, but it is most notably known as either the Flying Mustang. Yeah. I like to just merely call it the Ken Miles R model because this is the only R model that he ever was really associated with. And this car, just as a car, stepping outside of it being an R model, there are only a very select few number of Shelby American cars that Ken Miles is so clearly tied to as this one. This car won nearly everything it was entered in in 1965, including its debut race. But the the name comes from a picture, a black and white picture, mm-hmm. and it's one of the most famous Shelby pictures out there where Ken clearly has 8 to 10 inches of air underneath all four wheels. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and if you look really closely at that photo and you look at Ken's face, he's smiling. He's got a a shit-eating grin on his face the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) As he's smoking. Uh, He did seem to have one speed, which was throw the brick on the gas and go like hell. That's right. Yep. So Uh, he makes the debut at Green Valley Raceway, wins handily, won pretty much everything else he entered with the car, too. Really? Oh, it was unbelievable. In fact, 5R001 is credited as being the championship car Mm -hmm. because it scored a victory at Daytona late in the year that gave it the, the points championship. Okay. But what people tend to discount is that it's a points total championship and just it that was all built on the victories of 5R002. So this is the one with the pedigree. This is the one that's got all the race history plus Ken Miles butt prints in the seat. I hate to <laughs> I hate to call anything the most of anything or anything the best of anything, but when it comes to this car, uh I can only say that there's not another car that I know of that is as historically significant when it comes to Shelby Mustangs. And aside from that, it, it the other thing about this car is that you have to step outside of it being a Shelby Mustang. Because while that's important, this car's implications go so far beyond Explain. being a Shelby Mustang. Uh, so, elaborate a little. So Ford Motor Company, Lee Iacocca, needs the Mustang to have a sporty image. Because when the Mustang comes out, it's before the GT350, it's a secretary's car. It's a six-cylinder, usually automatic coupe. It's actually fairly boring. It's a gussied-up Falcon. And it's selling very well, but it doesn't have the image they want. So they come to Carroll Shelby and they say, we need you to make this into a sports car. And Carroll, being the Texan that he was, he just says, okay. Okay. Which, you know, no real plan, but at least he thinks he can do it. This is the car that they build into a competition car. This is the very first car that puts that image in people's heads that the Mustang is a real legitimate sports car that can beat up on Corvettes. And from there on out, the Mustang is forever seen as a sporty car. Nice. Think about the bullet Mustang that sold for a world record last year. Yeah. Without this car, the bullet's not a sporty car. It's not a cool car. The bullet would not exist. There'd be no sporty high-performance versions of the Mustang. There's no Mach 1. There's no later Shelby Mustangs. There's no Boss 302s, Boss 429s. There's nothing. This is pre-Mustang GT. So this is this is where it all starts. This is the car that makes the Mustang a cool car, a sporty car, a performance car. 
This car, I mean, think about what Ford Motor Company builds today, trucks and Mustangs. That's it. That's it. That's all they build. <laughs> that is that's, it. You're not and wrong. That's, that's all they make money on. They're printing money building trucks and Mustangs. True. You think they'd still be building Mustangs if the Mustang didn't have a sporty image? No. Nope. No. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next year with that four-door. Uh, no. Even no. that, even though you wouldn't want to really draw much of a parallel between the two. That's why not did, here if the Mustang's not here. Why did they put the Mustang brand on that? Because they wanted it to look sporty for my generation. They wanted it to look exciting. The Mustang doesn't have that brand equity without this car. I'm looking forward to the Mustang truck and the Mustang SUV. <laughs> the Mustang SUV is a stupid oh, yeah. mock <laughs> That's, that's what that is. But this that, this is an amazing vehicle, and what an amazing collection. Oh, it's super. It's just an honor to be a part of it. I, I'm I'm so very jealous and so very happy for you. Yeah, I appreciate man. it. That is pretty cool. That is simply incredible. You know, I've, even, I've even had the pleasure of watching you deliver a Mustang, more or less, to get it ready for yeah, shipping. Yeah, yeah. Drive it to the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I needed a ride home that night. Yeah. I, I, I didn't know you had that stinking thing until you started putting it on the truck, and I'm thinking, hey, I really like that. That's a cool car. <laughs> I, hey, I would have taken that one home. I That was a that. good car. That was a yeah, cool car. Yeah, little 69 Mach 1. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, and I even like the color. Doesn't that exist Aca- without five R zero zero two. Oh, that Acapulco blue on the one you sold. I was standing mm-hmm. there going, <laughs> "Oh man!" So this whole thing is selling at Indy, uh, May twelfth through the seventeenth. Yep, that's what uh, we're hoping. Coming up at the Meekum auction at the Indianapolis or at the Indiana State Fairgrounds, uh, May twelfth through the seventeenth. You can find all of the social media links for Meekum and for their indie sale, and also for Vernon Estes Classics on readthedriven.com. Thanks so much for coming in and uh, occupying your old seat. It's a great time. Uh, You should come by more often. We miss you. Anytime. And And you know what? You tell John. You tell John I said hi. Oh, all that, <laughs> we, we go way back. All that, that Fabergé stuff is mind-boggling. Oh, yeah. And a collection. I, I just want to see the collection. Well, <laughs> at Meekum Indy, if you come up for Meekum Indy, they are rebuilding his collection so that it can all be displayed exactly how it was oh, inside the building. Oh, my God. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Are they going to mm-hmm. have a Lamborghini, you know... That'd be pretty sweet, hanging on the wall. wall. That would yeah. be cool. <laughs> they, they said they're going to display it all just like it was displayed in the collection. Wow. So you're going to be able to walk through it and see everything as it was. Even down to the display cases, they're setting them up exactly how they were originally oriented with all the same items in the same position. I am so blown away with the whole idea of that. That's so cool. Vern, thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having really me. appreciate it. Thanks so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at Driven Radio Show, and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Catfish Groves, Mr. Vernon Estes, and, uh, and Corey Pratt. Corey. Corey! Up. Get well. Come back. We miss you. Uh, Thanks for being with us, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio.